recognizable voice of Chris Christopherson, someone who actually literally welcomed my family and I into his open arms. You can see it on Instagram, Alex G in NYC. He was also part of the Highwaymen. He is now retired. So um, 50 years in the business and he did all those tours. He was on the Highwaymen with Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson. Met him uh, when I was like a a wee little peanut at the uh, center stage in 1992, and um, today we found out he is retiring, so I want to wish him well and a blessed retirement. Someone who's not retiring, though, and someone who uh, is on the rise, far from retirement, are facing each other this upcoming, uh, you know, a couple Sundays from now in Super Bowl 40, what, 55, and uh, I have someone to break it down with me, amongst other things. Keith Carter, KC. Once again, we talked nearly a year later, uh, last time under the circumstances of Kobe's passing. This time, recognizing KC's in it again, and Keith Carter's back with me again. So I feel like a whole year, pe- a repeat here. How are you, Keith? Hey, man, what's up? Pleasure to be back. Now, when I brought you on, you had your clothing outline that did a whole tribute to Kobe. Uh, I wanted to give you an update. I want you guys to give an update to what's going on there with COVID and and what you're doing now, because I know there's been some changes. There has been. First of all, I want to say, uh, I don't know, you're saying Chris Christopherson's retiring. I don't know if the highwayman can ever retire. That's true. They surely never die. (laughs) So, just want to get that... (laughs) Love me some highway men, but um, yeah, I uh, we talked to you a year ago. I was doing, uh, I had was in the process of uh, preparing for the launch of my new clothing brand, B Rook Clothing. That was pretty excited about. Um, about this time last year, I guess I did um, one of the things we did around the time when Kobe passed away. I recognized that as a, 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 a he's a person that was of uh, just a tremendous influence on me in my life and the way he. You know, went about and worked. It was 24 seven hard work. So I created a shirt that kind of modified that a little bit to work as hard as Kobe does. And we did the 24 eight shirt that obviously paid tribute to his mem- numbers as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, I think that's where I, I left off with you last time. Uh, since then, the whole world ended. Uh, we did not get to launch the clothing brand that was supposed to. Uh, launch in Chelsea Market on April 1st. So that didn't happen. Um, some other things changed. I was, uh, of course, the whole time I was working on that, I was bartending as well in the city. And uh, when everything shut down, decided to hop on and do what you do best and start podcasting under a, uh, a new podcast called The Unemployed Bartender Podcast with Keith Carter. And you have a website yeah. for that too, I know. We'll get to that in a bit. But, uh, you know, I'm sure you were a guest on many shows over the years and, you know, launching the clothing line. So what's it like to be on the hosting side of things? Um, it's a little different in terms of professionally. Uh, when I was in high school, I was we had in the for what was in the 90s, a pretty high tech system. We've got a big grant and had all the production stuff. And I was the the co-host of our daily morning show. So. Uh, I also did some radio and some stuff back then, so it's a it's kind of a almost a return to my roots. And uh, obviously, you made strides with it. I mean, this is what six, seven months in, and so or more. Uh, what's it like to see it grow uh, from when you first started? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's exciting. We started off with a pretty big big splash in um, in our niche, uh, just because I had one of the top um, bartenders in the country in the world um, to kind of head off our first episode and uh, started us with a splash. And we've had pretty decent numbers. You know, we're not too shabby. Well, it's always interesting to to try and peak. I I don't know. Uh, over the last few days with the GameStop stuff, I also noted my noticed my podcast had like a graph as if it was a stock going up. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So that was that was fun. But uh, okay, so you're doing this podcast, and are you still bartending? I have to ask that. Yeah, well, I, I um, there's not any place really open um, to be able to bartend right now in New York, but I definitely bartend at home, work on some stuff, but. For the most part, the thing I miss most about bartending, um, which is what lends itself to my current gig, is that I like talking to my regulars and my, you know, people that come in, guests, tourists, whomever, um, getting to know people. So that's kind of, I get to kind of do that on my podcast because I have regulars on and then people that I've never met before that are super interesting. And I don't know, it's been nice. It's felt like it felt when I would meet cool new people at the bar when I was working so I gotta be very honest you know that song 9 o'clock on a Saturday by Billy Joel Piano Man I'm like yeah. how do we go from 9 o'clock on a Saturday where everybody's going in to 9 o'clock on a Saturday when everybody has to leave it's just so weird to yeah. me that we're in that universe now it's there that's uh you know and who knows when it's gonna be different but but uh, I'm sure it's uh, looking forward to it. <laughs> now, whatever it is now when I first called you this week I talked about the shirt you said you weren't sure if you would re- do a reboot of it, but have you gotten calls to do a reboot? I mean, that was a big thing you did last year, and it got a lot of traction. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it was um, it definitely had the interest in it. Um, we're in the process of currently we have a uh, a similar uh, initiative going on with a, a shirt for the unemployed bartender going on right now, where we're donating 100 percent of the profits to. Um, restaurant relief workers and Feeding America. Um, and how can my uh, listeners the sale of our under, unemployed bartender shirt that we have on our website right now. So, and so, how can our listener, my listeners, get involved with that? Yeah, if they go to thubpodcast.com, dot com, um, there's a banner at the very top letting you know that's what's going on. If you click on that, it'll take you straight to the shirt. But um, our merch is on there as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it'll. It'll select it right on there. There's a uh, a wonderful um, company that we work with. That as you, right when you pay for it, it takes the money and sends it straight to the charity. So it works out great because we don't have to worry about making sure we did the right thing. Uh, it's all taken care of right when you make the purchase. So that's amazing, and I, I would Im- implore people to visit that website again. That is the ubpodcast.com. Uh, Keith, I mentioned this a lot in the pandemic, and maybe you could agree. That creativity really got us through those rough days. Would you see that? Because I could just tell in your voice, you're still being creative. You're still trying to find ways to express yourself through this. How important is that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a huge part. And if you listen to my show at all ever, as um, hopefully some of you guys will at some point, I talk about this all the time on there. Just the bartender community and the hospitality industry is the most talented, untapped resource that exists in our country right now. Um, if you think about the bartenders that you've ever had, they're creative, they're fast, they're hardworking, they know how to talk, um, and they they are creative. Uh, and it, you have to have that, that unique talent set, I think, to, to be a successful bartender. And you're seeing a lot of creativity kind of flourish now that we've all 
been given a chance to get off our feet and behind out from behind the stick, mm. start working on something else. And do you I think this a different stick? <laughs> well, I was gonna say, do you think this whole slowdown was was um was in a way God's way to really just slow us down and fight this virus together? And at the same time, it's helped some of us grow in this whole time. Yeah, I mean, there's always if you're if you're someone. Uh, like me personally, I try to see, or I can't help but see the positive sides of things, um, even probably to a fault where I should be paying attention to some of the negative aspects of stuff. But mm. the, uh, you know, I think obviously when there's, whether it's forced or not, when you're allowed to take a breath and to stop just worrying about whatever, we all have our own unique circumstances and problems that we deal with at all times. And um, I think that aside from just the trauma and the death that's occurred from this, which is mm-hmm. just tremendously sad, uh, the other side of that was that chance to take a breath and pause and and uh, kind of see what's actually worth worth anything in the world, in your world. And so would you say creativity and creating this podcast helped you keep going through this? Because there are so many... Uh who just didn't know what to do. And I think those who had the fortitude really have come out of this pretty okay, actually. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've, I think people that like said, like people like bartenders and stuff like that, or uh, anyone that's creative, it does help. Like when, when things do shut down like this, uh, it helps me to have that outlet, but also when you're used to working hard and everything kind of stops around you, you find yourself kind of moving a lot faster because, the rat wheel is no longer running. So mm. you're, you, you see that you actually are getting a lot further along at, with that same amount of effort. And I think there's a lot of people that have, that have made some tremendous amount of personal growth, but um, have, you know, things have moved to the better for a, another subset of people that aren't the ones that are being tremendously affected. That's what there's such a disparity of, and that K shaped, or, you know, and it, uh, probably multiple different caves because there's probably offshoots going up and down in every direction, depending on which specific group you belong to mm. over the last 12 months. Cause like I said, some people are doing amazing. It's better, better than they've ever done in their life. And some people are as, uh, you know, as, mm. no, as it's, bad as it's true, as bad as it is. Now you are not a native New Yorker. Uh, so I got to ask, did you ever get home? Did you fly back? Did you stay in New York the whole time? Uh, and I didn't get back to, to Arkansas, where I'm from. Um, I don't have uh, too much family back there now, but it was also just a little dangerous. Um, I, around my birthday, my sister and me uh, were the same age for about a week and a half every year. So I try to spend that time with her, get down to see her if I can. And that was uh, this summer. We I drove down to, to Key Largo um, Memorial Day weekend. So that was when I left New York, was there for about a week and a half, and then we came back, and it was a different place. Um, but that was the only time I got out of the city, really. Keith, last year we talked about you do have a daughter, you have family. How is she doing? How are you guys doing through this? Uh, you know, we're uh, we're surviving. She's in her first year, uh, freshman year, at uh, the arts high school up here in Brooklyn. And, you know, it's been a challenge that they haven't been able to go to school. Uh, you know, I've done definitely dealing with a lot of different things. Um, if you have a kid in the pandemic that's in school, you understand what I mean. Uh, everyone else, it's just, it's, it's, there's a lot of layers to this thing out there for a lot of people. 
Did you ever? It's been, you know, we're we're surviving, we're alive, and that's about as much as you could hope for right now. Now you obviously podcast from home, so I guess in a way it's it's like uh, what was I going to say? You know, it's like time's got to be divided. You got to focus on her, then you got to focus on your own podcast. So how often do you pump <clears> one out? Would you say? Um, I try to do. Well, when we first started it, I was doing it consistently one a week, um, as I would, uh, you know, map out the the guests and I wanted to have since I have two guests for every episode it's important you have to find both guests and get them scheduled at the right time um, and I like stuff to stay current so I do try to record right before I release but uh, we've done probably 22 episodes now um, I probably I'm working on uh, an episode right now that I'm pretty excited about um, where we discussed other side of uh, what happened with the parlor and mm. the QAnon and all that stuff. It's, uh, we're going to do a deep dive um, and talk to some different people. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be my next episode. But. So, well, let me ask you. I mean, obviously, I'm not sure where you lean, but I think it is crazy that we have seen censorship like this. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you Brent, you mentioned it, so let me ask, what are your thoughts? I think, you know, the problem is we're... we're we're eliminating real people from having a voice right now. And that's really troubling me. Yeah. So it's, uh, it gets into a pretty complicated point there when you, uh, I think what it boils down to for me is when it's, I don't know, if you can have, if you don't have a way of knowing what information is real, then, um, then you have instances where nothing is real no matter if it's real or not. And I think that's the issue that we're having right now is that no one believes anything that anyone is saying, and that's the issue that we have to fix. And until that's fixed, until truth is truth again, and everyone can believe... Something, yeah. Or something or anything, then, none, then nothing means anything. And, um, uh, and that's where we are right now, where n- literally nothing means anything. It doesn't matter what you say or who you say it to, somebody is going to back you and somebody is going to... Attack you. you. Someone um, back you, somebody will attack you. That's not a healthy that's place true. for a country to be in. Well, and that's where we are right now, unfortunately. And we are. And the other thing is just like, as we're talking, I'm like, didn't Twitter hate when Trump called it fake news? Now they're calling it fake news? Like, I don't know. It's all mixed up. It's just, it's hypocrisy as we're talking about this. Uh, but thank God for sports, right? Because we've got that. We've got actually a really good Super Bowl shaping up. But I've got to ask you. Do do you feel as intense as I do about the fact that we're on repeat? We're dealing with these same situations we did a year ago, and KC is in the Super Bowl again. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Like the, the whole I mean, repeat as thing. A, as a fellow KCer, Mr. Keith Carter, myself, uh, you know, I never find it to be anomalous to have KC in the Super Bowl or in any important space that exists on this planet. So uh, I feel it's very abnormal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, KC's everywhere. <clears throat> Yeah, they are, and I think Mahomes is going to be good. Uh, and I know sports is one of your favorite things. So, oh yeah, have you have has sports even with the crazy noises, the empty seats, which is really tough to watch. By the way, I can't stand watching an empty arena. I just it drives me nuts. However, yeah. the idea that sports is being played is a big deal. So, has that been a cathartic process to watch through all this, or are you like, why aren't fans there? Like, what are your thoughts watching it's, these games? It's interesting, especially. Um, like you know, I'm from Arkansas, and college sports is really my big, like my biggest thing. My Razorbacks are 
everything in terms of how I schedule most of the rest of my life. It's around my, my games. But uh, I find myself very, you know, I, being in New York, I don't get a chance to go to a lot of games anyway, so I'm quite used to watching all of them on TV. But there is a sense of just I feel bad for the kid, like the kids, the students that are seniors that transferred in that never they came to Arkansas to play in front of 20,000 screaming fans. And there's, you know, 4,000 capacity, and they're, they're never going to get a chance to actually see what it truly is like when there's just people going nuts and the band's playing like crazy and there's, you know, the dance squad is flipping across the floor. Mm. Uh, you know, that's that's a part of uh, – that's what we – I think that's for us, though. It gets the players hyped, and the, but it, obviously they can still perform at a, at a high level. We're seeing it now. These are professionals, and they're doing it. But uh, the rest of that, that all the fanfare, that's for us. And I think that's what's missing in, you know, for the, for the rest of us. It just makes it – it's just not the same. Uh, the first thing I want to do is get to a game as soon as it's a capable – I don't care what it is. The first available game that's full capacity, I'll be there. Well, look, baseball could be allowing fans in the summer, which would be nice. I think that would be a nice change of pace, and I'm hoping to get to a Yankee game for sure. Uh, that would be a reasonable thing. I think you could get at least 15,000 fans in Yankee Stadium. No, you can, and it'd be weird, but at least we'd be there, you know, a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so you were going to do all this. Now you have the podcast, and I want to touch on something you said about the bartenders. Look, let's let's not beat around the bush here actors and even Broadway folks that want to make it even bigger on Broadway, they do take up bartending jobs. They do take up roles, you know, being a bartender because I don't know what it is, but there seems like this connection between bartending and acting. I don't know if you noticed that, but I've certainly noticed that. Yeah. Well, like I said, from between bartending and any creative pursuit, there's probably, it's not necessarily anyone that's creative has been a bartender, but everyone that's a bartender is probably creative. Definitely so, and you you can see that. Like I've known a guy who was working on movies. He was a screenwriter. I'm like, that's so cool. And then yeah. they're all kind of just looking for their next gig too at the same time. So I, I have to imagine being a bartender now actually is helpful because at least you're employed somewhere, even if it's not even indoor dining. At least you have something going for you if your business is open right now. Uh, well, yeah, but there's just very few places that are keeping anybody on, especially bartenders. Um, it's mostly uh, to go and, and then obviously table service, uh, which is not, not really the same thing. Um, so you, a lot of your, uh, a lot of your more, uh, well-known bartenders are not out in New York working right now. Well, you know, Foley's um, had to close down and I was so devastated with that on 33rd street. I, I love a lot that of, place. a lot of places are closing. It's, it's real sad. It was a Driving down Fifth Avenue and Park Slope earlier today, looking at different spaces that had closed. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, just ready for this thing to hurry up. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, talking about it actually helps you get through it. But then you're like, all right, I just saw this. How can I take my mind off yeah, of it? I think that's what we're exactly. all dealing with, too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, every conversation starts off to be a, a distraction. And then it almost is cathartic when it circles back around. To what we're trying to distract ourselves from. Well, well, true. And so, on that point, let me ask you this: Are you proud when these hospitality agencies do file lawsuits against Cuomo? Do file lawsuits to get things moving? I think that's one of the most powerful things they can do right now. Yeah, I, like I said, it's that's an issue that's just very 
uh, it just really depends on which way you want to look at it in terms of uh, personally, I believe that the restaurants should be closed, but there should have been a plan in place to support, suspend, um, you know, delay payment, you know, back payments or a way to rework everything so that people don't lose that they didn't just lose their space. Um, but I, I think for the safety, to get, I think honestly to get through this, the quicker that we can all just stop for a second, for but actually do it, everybody do it, then I think we could see some actual change to get things back open again. It's but, amazing to see that because I've seen some people say just everybody stay indoors for like as long as even a week to try and get rid of this thing, you know, even maybe a little longer. But I get yeah, what I mean, you're if every single person in the world stayed indoors away from other people for 10 days, then the thing would be over. But that's just not feasible. Uh, so that's are you, the issue. As a creative, are you, are you uh, and as like, you know, being a podcaster following all this, does it dishearten you that like there are debates about masks? Does it dishearten you that there's debate about whether some steps are right or wrong? Or do you think it's healthy to debate all of this? I think the entire debate has been tainted because of the, the amount of disinformation. Like I said, this circles back to when no one knows who to trust. You have impassioned, valid arguments on two diametrically opposed sides that both feel 100% valid and correct based on the information that they've received. And that makes it impossible to have a constructive argument because you're looking at two different sets of evidence, two different points of view. Um, you're never actually we're starting on the same line in the first place. So um, that's where we're at. And that's, that's the problem with, you know, my opinion on all these things is because it's everything's been tainted with just no one knows who to trust. And, True. And that's, but I think the good news <laughs> that's is it. that is what it is. Well, but the good news is, is you're, you and I are podcasting. I feel like we have some leniency on the podcast to really voice what we're thinking. Like, I don't, I don't fear censorship in the podcast world yet. And I don't no. know if we'll ever see that. No, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, obviously I'm going to say exactly what I feel, but that's how I like, I feel that, that is what's happened, that everything's been tainted. And it made, it's made it hard because I do understand, I understand where everyone's coming from. Um, but, the, but since they're looking at two different pieces of paper with two different pieces of information on it, they're not even having a, an argument. They're just espousing their own talking points and not listening to the other person because that other person is talking about things that are not real. So what do you turn to, to for them. facts to make sure it's like a factual podcast that you're doing? Um, you know, for me, I just try to observe and watch everything and uh, just form my own opinion. But obviously, for almost everything out there, you can just try to get as close to the source as you can. Mm -hmm. If, if uh, you know, if you're having a debate about the words that were said on the floor of the Senate, watch the Senate floor debate. And then you'll have as much access as you could possibly have to the information. And importantly, um, context. You, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. If you want to have, uh, like, if you want to really truly know what's going on in the world, then pay attention to those things. And if you haven't paid attention to those things, then maybe don't talk about them, because that's where we get the disinformation from. I, I think it's very interesting that people really can't stop, uh, can't keep scrolling, as they say, 
in this world. They literally have to stop and, and put their mind on everything they see. It's like, no, you could keep on rolling if you want. Uh, I was going to say... Yeah, like day 200 is a little late to get on this argument, bro. Like, just... <laughs> It's already been hashed out. Hey, I've got to ask you, though. So as as this podcast and someone hearing it, the unemployed bartender, I'm sure people are expecting actual stories you do have as a bartender. Do you ever talk about them a lot or is it current events and stories like what's what's the um, what's the ratio like, I guess I would say, between your actual stories and other thoughts on the news of the day? Yeah, I, for so the the baseline point and goal for the podcast is for it to be like a bar conversation. Um, so it's a lot of just get to know you, where you've been, what you've been up to uh, since it's COVID, like you know how you how's all that been holding up, and then uh, you know I try to tell as many you know little stories if they're related because I can I can uh, I can talk about stuff. I can get on little little side notes here and there. Digression is a word that uh, fits my vocabulary. <laughs> well, I'm kind of so, curious what stories you've run into as a bartender during the pandemic, if you uh, want to share a couple. Well, I hadn't I hadn't bartended during the pandemic. Um, uh, but I'm trying to think of the few people that I've had on. I think of the, of the 20 or so bartenders I've had, uh, two different ones had been working. Um, but I think all of them are currently uh, have been laid off. This is like the 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 bar stories that you hear is like, well, uh, I was supposed to work this day and then we weren't open anymore. And unfortunately, that's the extent of a good bar story right now. Wow. Mine's a little more, a little less dour, I guess you'd say. I, if you want to hear it, I've been, I've said it before, but there was this couple who was doing outdoor dining and um, this was like in September. Yeah. And I'm just me. You know, I rollerbladed around New York on the one leg, whatever, yada, yada. I rollerbladed um, up to the table because the girl was cute. I had no idea. And um, turns out this guy comes from the bathroom and we're all like on the same bench. And they're like, yeah, we're on our first date. So I was just like, wow, imagine that a first date like that in outdoor dining and people are around you. Like, this is the time we're in. And would you believe it? They're still together a few months later. So I'm like, that's pretty strong to to do it outdoors as the first date and then have it keep going. That's pretty cool. Especially with talking yeah. to other people on your first date. That's also a feat. That probably actually helped. You know, talking talking to people and showing compassion is always like, a, a, you know, a thing that gets the, the heart muscles. Uh, are something. you saying, Keith, you should people should welcome people to their first date to ease the nerves a little bit? You know, uh, I always try. Yeah, you get a little talky going, show you can carry yourself. It's always a good way to um, showcase your personality without having to, uh, you know, do it directly to a person you've never met before. Oh, always, always bump into an old friend mm. on a first date. That's a great move. <laughs> I got to try that one day because I have nerves up the wazoo on my first date. So I got to try that there one day. <laughs> hey, you know, I we first connected because of B. Rook, and obviously it's no longer in existence. Do you miss it? Yeah, I mean, it's still a concept. Uh, it just doesn't work in a pandemic world. Um, so I had to kind of table it. But uh, there's a bunch of different projects I'm working on, and the, the concepts that existed from that brand will live on in one main, you know, one way or another, uh, either in the new brand or in aspects of some other stuff that I do. Uh, well, I, I never kind of 
I never leave a dead dog line. No, I, I could tell. It's always like your mind is always circling. And I, I just got that from our conversation today about how you created shirts for this. So I actually think wearing a shirt, the unemployed bartender, would actually rel- be relative to many people. And I think you'd have a really good success with that. You know, like I think people could really feel that that mantra. Yeah, poor, I wanted it to be, you know, first of all, just a, uh, you know, a, a straight statement, like that enforces you to like, like, oh, unemployed bartender. And you think about it, like, okay, unemployed bartender. It takes you straight to the hospitality industry, which is what I want to bring attention to, um, is that there's a lot of unemployed bartenders out there. Um, and uh, I think uh, I think wearing them shows support for the industry, but also they're a great gift for people that are currently unemployed because I, I promise you, they, you know, they're, they're nice, comfortable shirts to wear when you're making a home cocktail for yourself. <laughs> that, that's interesting. I don't really drink at home. I, I mean, I'm sure people, I, I do not. I know people do. But um, d- rename the organizations again, just so people have an idea of where those proceeds go. And are there other organizations you recommend people check out if they are struggling uh, with the unemployment? Is there any association unemployed bartenders can join? Yeah. Um, so I know the USBG has been doing stuff for bartenders, um, for the companies uh, or for the charities that, that the shirts that we're donating to are, uh, was it the uh, Feeding America? Uh, so that one's just going towards all of these different food banks across the country where people have been lining up for miles trying to to eat people that have never visited food banks before in their life um, are having to wait four hours in line just because there's just not enough food out there for a lot of people. Um, so that's a big issue. Um, and then also the restaurant workers um, relief fund. And that's a, a more direct uh, industry uh, charity. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll hype those up as they say, we'll, we'll get those organizations on. No, it's incredible. The whole food line. And as you talk about it, I think of also like the, the, you know, Arkansas probably has a lot of meatpacking industry, too, and that's suffering. I mean, all these different places, breweries, pa- meatpacking, and so we got to be there for them. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, it's just, uh, there. yeah, like I said, if you, uh, Brooklyn Magazine just did a, an article about me uh, and the pod- podcast yesterday, um, actually, and uh, one of the points that they that I had brought up in that was that we all need to actually uh, do our part to help out. If you have any means at all, the only re- the only way that this world really works is if we're all, uh, you know, giving up as much excess that we don't need of ourselves um, to the rest of our you know humanity. And then that's how we all kind of you know that the 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 rising tide raises all ships. That I think that's I think that's how you do it. Well, and I think that's why we podcast to help others out along the way. Yeah. So, Keith, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I always ask my guests this one thing that even though you've been all this creative, you're out there. One thing people may not know about you that you're willing to share. Um, what's one thing? Well, uh, I wonder if I did this before. Uh, when I was uh, when I was in 15 or when I was 15, I, uh, I had a jazz band that got to play a private concert for Bill Clinton, Bill and Hillary Clinton, uh, actually, when they dedicated the, his old high school, Hot Springs High, into the William Jefferson Clinton Art School or Art Campus or something like that. That's right, Arkansas, and, uh, yep. 
Yeah, me and uh, four other of uh, my fellow 15-year-olds uh, wrote four original jazz pieces and got to play a little private concert for him. Very cool. So, Very cool. That's something. That's that. <laughs> I, I mean, knows that. I think you might know. I met President Clinton when I was eight years old. So it's. Uh, yeah, I I know uh, I, he actually is very charismatic. If you ever talk to him, like he's very he's a great guy. He, he's charismatic. So that's pretty cool. You got to experience that. And uh, anybody out there that's listening and is a Razorback fan, I'm sure just linking up with you, you you've got Razorback fans listening to you. So what's your message to them, uh, even through this basketball year, or do you follow football more? Oh, I follow it all. We can talk women's basketball. We just beat UConn last night. Number three, UConn, the the great Gino. Uh, Congratulations. That's huge. Over. They lost their first game of the year. Our Lady Backs beat them. Beautiful game. Second top five win of the season. Beat Baylor earlier in the year. And then now number three, UConn. So anyone else in the country wants to come to Fayetteville and play, we got you. But <laughs> uh, our women's and men's track team are both number one in the country. We have a meet this weekend. We could talk about that. The basketball team's playing Oklahoma State tomorrow. Uh, two top ten lottery picks uh, that you're going to see in next year's draft. You're going to be playing Moses Moody for Arkansas, Cade Cunningham for Oklahoma State. Great matchup. Really, really excited about that. That's tomorrow for the Big, Twin, Big 12 SEC Challenge. It's happening all day. Um, but I look for us to have a uh, really kind of pull it together, surprise some people, um, and at least a sweet 16 appearance for the men's basketball team. So you got all that to look forward to this year. Keith. Razorback guys. <laughs> I, I, I love I love your passion. I actually follow, um, you know, I don't know, my college, Queens College is off because of all the COVID stuff, sadly. But I just follow everything, too. I just, I love it. I, I love sports. And I as long as they're playing, I'll watch, you know, but oh, yeah. I, I want to bring you back to my adaptability podcast. Cause I want people to, um, maybe have hope from you that adapting to all of this, it'll be kind of a different conversation, but adapting to all of this isn't as it's difficult, but it can be done. And I think you've got a great message there too. So I want to have you back for another edition right. with you. Excellent. Look forward to it, man. And can people email you? I have your email, but I want you to give it out to see if, if, if people can email you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you can email me at keith at the UB podcast.com. Um, you can also follow me uh, on Instagram, Keith A. Carter. And on everything else, Keith Carter 1981. I will be changing that at some point, but I've had that f- for forever, so who knows. But. Yeah, those those I those ways are the best ways to reach me. So. Keith, I'm so glad we linked back up, and uh, I will definitely have you back. Awesome. Looking forward to it, man. I'm Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, man. No, what I'm